Now, three weeks ago, when we were talking about spiritual warfare, we were talking about um, a lot of different things as far as we mentioned some problem areas and all that. And today, uh, well, let me say, we talked about the fact that as believers, uh, you are on, well, if you're not a believer, you're on a battleground and it's not a playground. And a lot of people are treating it like it's a playground. They're playing around with their life. They're playing around with the time God's allotted. They play around with their resources God has blessed them with. They are like unwise stewards that, that you read about in the Bible. You know, we've got one, five, and ten. And the one with the least wasted the most of everything. So we, we don't want to do that. We don't want to waste our time in this life on the battleground. And so we said that we would need strength. Is something that we have to have on the battleground, and our strength comes from our joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And there will be a lot of days you'll wake up, and the devil's not going to give you a break just because your head hurts, you've got a deadline, you've got family problems, you've got school problems, you've got vehicle problems. He doesn't give a rip. He's going to say, well, that gives me a bigger opportunity because you are super distracted with life, and I'm going to take advantage of that. So you need strength in this life on the battleground. You've got to have strength, and if your joy is Jesus, a long time ago, a group um, called the J-Stone Singers right here in Hope Mills, not far, great, 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 great people. I remember at least 30, 35 years ago, they had a song that said, My Joy is Jesus. He turns the darkest morning uh, into the brightest day. Uh, lyrics real close to what I just said. And if your joy is found in Jesus Christ and what he did for you, what he saved you from, and what he's preparing for you, it doesn't matter what the devil uh, comes out comes at you with and it that reminded me of another song this morning now probably nobody but Caitlin is going to get this and even dig this but you know this is the corny part of me on the way to school year in and year out we would what I call we would jam for the lamb and we didn't come up with that term somebody cornier than me did but they meant it in a good way and one of the songs that was just kind of played to death was by Stephen Curtis Chapman, and it was called Bring It On. And it didn't matter what happened. Thunder, lightning, bring it, bring it on, talking to the devil. When you are on the battleground, if you are not under the bring it on mentality and uh, you don't give him just the right uh, platform that you're going to walk on, you're going to live by, and you're going to execute, then he will bring it on, and you'll just sit there and be whooped. So you got to have strength, folks, on the battleground. But you also have to have power on the battleground. That comes through, through the Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit of God. God will load you down with benefits that you never could even ask for, and he will give you access to a whole arsenal of weapons. You can even put on the entire armor of God, which really sickens the devil. And then we know that we have to pray 
And then when we feel like we can't pray anymore, we got to just dig down deeper and pray a little bit harder and pray even more. But today, I want to tell you, you've been hearing it all morning for about 25 minutes. And that is that you've got to have on the battleground, you've got to have your praise on. You've got to have your garment of praise on. In fact, Derek, I'm going to do it now instead of later on, but could we just go back to the first song? We're not going to sing it. I want you to not worry about singing the lyrics or knowing this song, but I want, I want you just real quickly, let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise, let it rise, let it rise. We sing your name in the dark, and it changes everything. We sing with all we are. And we claim your victory. Claim victory over eyesight too, amen? Hallelujah. Uh, let it rise, let praise arise. We'll see you break down every wall. Can I get an amen about right there? <clears throat> we'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthrough is on our side forever. Lift him high. With all creation God, cry, God, and say that last part with me, we Praise you. One of my favorite go-tos in the Bible when I'm thinking about this right here and I want to get down and I just want to have me a good old-fashioned pity party about what's happening in my life or around me. I will look to two men by the names of Paul and Silas. And then I will, what we talked about working the other day, you know, Everybody's standing in a circle, and I, uh, quote, I, I quote the great philosopher Floyd Tripp Wilson, who coined the phrase, everybody throw all their problems in a circle. In about five minutes, you'll be fighting to get yours back. I quote that, and I say that, you know, when, when I start looking at everything else going around, and I look at Paul and Silas, then I, I, I kind of want to get mine back. I've never been beat before. And beat for casting out a demon, by the way. I've never been beat for that and setting a person free. And I've never been locked in a, a jail so bad that my back's bleeding, my hands and my feet are in shackles. That, that's never happened to me. And so when I start feeling really bad about me, and mine and what's going on. I just kind of peek over to Acts 16. In fact, you want to go there right quick, you can. I go there, and then it kind of helps me to get a brand new perspective on what's happening right now. So what I want you to do with me to, this morning, as we talk about this fourth thing called praise that you've got to have on the battleground all the time. In fact, you need to, you need to have praise so much as a part of you, you know, I done said bring it on. But you ought to be able to just say, devil, I'm awake today. If you didn't catch that when my feet hit the ground, 
and I know what you're about to do because you warned me it was going to happen at school yesterday, or I know I got to take care of this at work today, but you just need to say, devil, listen, it may look like I'm, a, I'm unarmed, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you before I get completely out of bed that I'm packing praise today, and I will break it out on you as often as I can. So you better go on and find you a lukewarm person that's not serious about their life with Jesus. That's where we're trying to get to. And so we're going to look to these guys right here and see if there's a way they can help us get there because you need praise. And you've got to have praise on the battleground. So what happened was this, this story really took place. I'm going to try to be gentle on Carson today. Uh, but, you know, Carson is quick. And so he can handle it. So here's the deal. This lady was, she was slapped full of the devil. Anybody? No, don't, no, don't, don't, don't raise your hand. Never mind. Um, she was slapped full of the devil. And she was used to make money for other people who were full of the devil. And she did a lot of fortune telling. She did a bunch of soothsaying, all this kind of stuff. And it got to a point where Paul and Silas were charged with casting the devil out of this woman. And so the people that were making money off of her uh, got real upset and they ruffled the feathers of the magistrate. I'm breaking it down for you quickly here. And they, they, they just broke it down quickly. And said, this, this, this man, these men, they're costing us a lot of money. And we're not going to be able to give as much to the county, the legal system, your paycheck. And so we need something done about this. So that's exactly where we are right now. And if you go down to verse 23, this is why I kind of put mine up after I look at stories like this of Acts 16. And when they had laid many stripes on them, talking about Paul and Silas, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison. That's important right there. And fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, that's specific right there, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and he was about to commit suicide and kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Verse 29 says, Then that man, that man we're, we're talking about, that was about to cause harm to himself, he called for a light and he ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you 
and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Now listen to me. Inside of this place again this week, everything you can think of and probably some things you cannot is either represented directly by the people in this room or by acquaintances or relatives of everybody. Everything you can think of. Everything. Things you would say, you're lying to me. No. It's just that heightened on the battleground right now. It's, it's just that bad right now on the battleground that, and this is why I say, folks, you've got to have the bring it on mentality because the devil is not stopping anywhere. He's uh, unleashing everything he can. I mean, I can go down the path of what he's doing to our children, what he's turned school systems into, what, you know what I shared with you weeks ago, Jimmy Evans, about what's already happening in California and you, you, children have permission to do everything now without parents knowing about it. All kinds of things. We're not going to spend a lot of time because we already have. But the devil's not stopping at anything to do everything he can to us. So why are we taking it easy on him on the battleground, folks? The easier you take it on him, the harder he thinks he can hit you. That needs to sink in. That right there needs to sink in. The easier you take it on him, on praying, on fasting, on reading the Bible, on praising God, on your, on your intentional church attendance, on your reaching out and loving your brother, but loving your enemy and doing good, and the list goes on. The, the easier you take it on him in all those areas and more, the more he will come at you because that is a sign to him you ain't got nothing to fight back with. See, he thinks twice about somebody that's packing. You know, all you got to do is put a, a sign up at your house. Beware of the dog. In fact, I think we got a package left at the driveway the other day because of a beware of the dog sign. Now, they don't nobody know how many dogs we got or we don't have. Nobody knows that. And I ain't telling you on uh, Internet. I'm not going to tell you how many we got. But, folks, Satan knows if you are walking around with the goods or not, everybody's on the playground. Have I said that? A battleground. I've told you that, right? And so the devil does not like confrontation. Confrontation. The devil does not like resistance. Where does that come from? What does the Bible say? Resist the devil and he will do what? You're all smart people. He will flee from you. So somebody packing praise, for instance, man, uh-uh. Now, look, we might try to give them a little headache or, you know, something like that or thump their checkbook, but we just need to go on over here to these yellow belly so-called Christians. We need to go these name only. We can get a whole lot more out of 
them and with them than we can somebody that's just really serious about the Lord. So Paul and Silas were not the two guys to beat uh, to death almost and throw them in jail because they were packing trays about midnight when everybody else was sleeping. And so I want to talk to you since we got so much represented in here and online, no doubt. I want to tell you that today you need to leave here packing trays and you need to leave here with the bring it on mentality because it's going to be brought on to us whether we bring it on or not. I think one of the things that God would have me to just really emphasize today is that when Paul and Silas were thrown into jail, the Bible says that since the warden had received such a charge, verse 24, if you're kind of keeping up with this stuff, that he didn't put them just in the general prison, but he put them in the inner prison. Now look, I like to think that the inner prison can look one of two ways. I like the, to think that the inner prison can be a whole a whole street of prisons, and the inner prison is the very last one. you got to walk all the way past all the other prisons to get to the last or the inner prison. But I also think that the inner prison can be the one that's in the dungeon. It's the lowest of the, them. And so you've got to be let down or you've got to be led down through steps or stairways past all the other people. I think that God intentionally allowed Paul and Silas not only to be locked up, but to be put in the inner prison, you see, because God knew that they were packing praise, and God knew that if they, because he, he knows the very hairs of our head, you see, so he knows everything we're up to in our mind or with our hands or our bodies. But I think God allowed them to be put, and I think he allows me and you to be put into an inner prison sometimes, because if they would have been in the first cell, then all the prisoners probably would not have been able to hear them sing and praise God. Amen? But if you take them men and you put them all the way at the bottom where it's the worst and it stinks the, the worst and you're less likely to even get any food or fresh food or water, if you put them all the way at the bottom about midnight, I don't care if they're all hard sleepers, their praise is going to resonate, and it's got to go up past all of them people. How do you know that might have happened, Open? Because, folks, it was so loud that all the prisoners heard them, and the Bible just told us that God heard them because there was a great earthquake in response to all that. So sometimes when you feel like you are at your lowest point, that's when your praise ought to be the loudest it possibly can so you can save everybody and let everybody hear what you've got going on in your upline. And some of you know what that means when you say your upline. See, the Lord knows where he can get the most fruit. He knows what tree produces. He knows what tree, what fig tree when he walks by, if it's not doing its job. He knows that, and, and that's why he cursed that when he said, look, you don't even need to take up any more nutrients from the sun, the rain, the wind, and all the disciples. Y'all remember this. He said, look, 
Nothing else is going to grow on you because all you're doing is sucking up time and space and energy and resources. They said the next day they walked by there, and sure enough, it was dead, dried up, withered over. And I believe a lot of times when we're not productive and when we don't use the talent God blessed us with, the talent of praising God and breaking it out on the devil and scolding his tail with praise every chance you get, I think God says, well, look, you don't appreciate the resources I've given you. You don't appreciate the lungs I've blessed you with. You don't appreciate healthy arms that's not crippled, that's not full of arthritis. You don't like that. Well, I'm just going to let you go on and age out in this life. I'm going to give that person a double portion. I'm going to hook them up today. I'm going to give them strength. I'm going to give them energy. I'm going to bless them in a way they've not even asked me to bless them with because they're faithful with what I've given them. And that's why we cannot be silent anymore, church. You can't be silent. You've got to quit being soft with the devil because we all, all of us beginning with me, I, I, man, and sometimes I'm embarrassed. I dump on people, and it's okay to vent, but listen to me. When venting turns into how I am characterized in your eyes, all I'm doing is telling you what's wrong in my life. Where's praise at in that, Opie? Where is praise at in all that? Look, when things happen to me, when things happen around me, I don't need to tell you how bad it is. I need to praise God for how good he is and let God know that he's a good, it's the goodness of God, the reason that I'm alive today to even have what we call a bad day. But I've never went to bed with my back bleeding and locked up in a jail cell. Not one day. You might say, well, I got busted and I got beat up and I've been... Nobody in this room has never been beat with rods on your back. Rods, R-O-D-S. Read the Bible. You've never been beaten with rods and left in the jail to pretty much rot with shame. You haven't done that. So I think when we start seeing these times and you say, well, it's bad, but I'm not in the inner prison regardless of how bad it is, if it's just a light bad or if it's a heavy bad, you need to take wherever you are in life and you need to let it rise. You need to let praise arise. You need to let it resonate because God may have sent you there as bad as a beaten back is. God may have sent you there so you could witness through song to all those other inmates in there. So you could witness to the jailer that finally came in and said, what do I got to do to be saved? Because you got it a whole lot worse than I do, and I've been whining, and here you are praising God. Tell me, what do I need to do? Call on the Lord, and you'll be saved. Just call on the Lord, and God will change it all for you. He'll give you a brand new name. He'll write your name down in glory, and he'll go, and he's already gone and prepared a place for those that's already called on his name. That's where we've got to get to, folks. My praise has to resonate. But I like the fact that this man right here, he was told, and I, this is going to hit everybody right here, because we've all got people in our family. I'm starting with family before we work outside that circle. He said, look, if you do this, not only you, but your whole house will be saved. Your whole house will be saved. I like it 
because when he was saved and they were baptized, his whole family, if you go back to verse 35 maybe, somewhere along in there, 34, the Bible says that when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with his whole household. See, I think that my praise for a change and the fact that I pack praise every day, I pack it. I pack it whether my phone's charged up or not, whether my lunchbox, that's old school, by the way, my lunchbox is packed up or anything else, if my wallet's packed up, I make sure I'm packing praise. The fruit of my lips is prepared to praise God in all things and everything before I leave. See, I think when I do that, then I set things in motion. And when this man did this, when he said, I'm, I, I've got to have what you've got. Tell me how to get it. His whole house got saved because Paul and Silas said, look, if we're going to do this thing, we might as well see if we can't win all the other fellow inmates. We might as well see if we can't go ahead and win this man that's over us and go on and start a house party. Let's have a, a party in his house and get all of them saved. That's exactly what your Bible says. They started a house party. They ate, but everybody got saved and fell in love with Jesus. Now, the Bible says that all of this happened as a result of an earthquake. Now, listen to me. We don't know if the earthquake was used by God exclusively to shake the entire jail, to get everybody's attention and all the chains fall off, or if God was so moved by their praise that God was in heaven stomping his feet to the beat and the whole earthquake, you know, God might have been jamming back with them. We don't know if the earth shook because God was angry at the fact of the way the people treated them. We do know this. We do know that there was an earthquake and everything happened after, including the earthquake, after Paul and Silas of all times at midnight. You know what I'm doing at midnight? Does anybody know what I'm doing at midnight? The same thing I'm doing about 9 o'clock. Yeah. I'm sleeping if I possibly can. But not them. They were praising God. And when they praise God, folks, here, here it is, 101 today. When you praise God, even in the worst of times, you don't realize it, but you put things in motion, see? I've said it this morning at 9.15, because when you praise God, check, check out how this, how this domino effect works. When you decide to praise God, we know, here we go on this little road trip, we know that God inhabits the praises of his people. That means he, he draws, he navigates to where the praise is, okay? When God gets to where the praise is, if you're the one packing and bringing on the praise, we know that the next thing that God has said about us is that he knows the desires of our heart, and he'll give us the desires of our heart. So, there's a small conclusion that you can just kind of think on today. What if everything you've been wanting from God or you've desired, or you, what if it's sitting right behind your midnight hour of praise? 
Now, this counts on Sunday. This counts. But if you want to score big, if you want God to inhabit, and it's just you and God, if you want God to inhabit your praise, then you just call him. Jeremiah 33 says, call unto me. I know no better way. I know we pray. I know we can pray. I know we're supposed to pray. But I know no better way than to call unto God than the way he said he would come near. And that is when you praise him. He said, if you praise me, oh, I inhabit that. I'm going to where that is. That's like that, that you know, like a trillion times more. Like if you told me where chocolate or chocolate ice cream was, uh, I like to inhabit because I got a bad habit with that habit. And so I will go to where there's great shakes. Hint, hint, Wednesday night, you, hmm, hmm, hmm. Anyway, I will go to where there's great chocolate. You're a deli chocolate, as a matter of fact. Not getting paid to give that plug, but hey. I love chocolate, and my name's not Forrest. I love chocolate, as you all know. If you're new to the church, I know he's got a cow lick. I know sometimes he yells, and he just screams, and preaches way too long sometimes, but he likes chocolate, too. I understand that. I want you to, and I'll go to where there's good chocolate. I will. I like chocolate. But on a scale that's not even comparable to chocolate and me liking chocolate, God loves praise more than I could ever try to stress and explain and give you some kind of picture. There's no way. I can't tell you how much God loves praise. And when you call God and through praise and God's come, why, cancer can drop, uh, blood disease can drop, marital problems can all of a sudden come back together, problems with your children, problems at school, uh, favor at work, favor in your life, favor over your children, favor over your family. All of that comes into play when God is on the scene and you've called God. See, the best prayers, the best gifts in the world that God gives us, I believe, are the ones we never verbally asked Him for. He just knew His boys and girls wanted that. And when you set it in motion, that's when He said, well, here it is today, I got it for you. I know there's a lot coming your way, but just listen to this. Let me, let me just read, and I, I'm, a, I'm trying to get through quick here. Psalm 42, 8 says this. Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. That's where we fight a lot of our stuff at now. Listen. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall... Be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. So, I kind of like to read it like this. If I'll spend my time praising the Lord, even in the midnight hour, I believe God will say, look, what's on the agenda for Opie on Monday? He woke up packing praise. I was what was on his mind. And so, I'm just going to throw that loving kindness that way and I'm going to douse it on him. I believe that with all my heart. The Bible says over in the 34th chapter, just back a few chapters in Psalm, listen to this. Now, I got to tell you this story. Y'all got time for a quick story, the, like the, the cliff of cliff notes? This is a cool story. I, I'd like to act this out sometime. Not me personally, 
but David was um, in a situation. I think it's in, the story is in 1 Samuel, maybe chapter 21, somewhere around there. But anyway, David was running from the king of Gath, all right? Because he thought that the king was going to go and tell Saul where he was. Saul was his father-in-law, by the way, and he was after him to kill him. So David found out, oh my goodness, this, this guy right here, he's the king of Gath, and he's, I know he's going to go tell on me. So when they brought David, check it out now, here we go. When they brought David in front of this king, you know what he did? He started foaming at the mouth, scratching the door like he had gone out of his mind, like he was a crazy man. He was just like slinging and swaying, and he was slobbering, on, got all in his beard, the Bible says. He was just acting crazy, and the king said, whoa, get that dude out of here. He's crazy. Get him out of here, which is what David, because he was scared. And it worked. It worked. But what David did on the heels of that, and see, he, he knew he was playing them. I hate to say this like a deck of cards. He knew that was going down. He knew he was playing these guys. So when he got out of that situation that he was scared of, the Bible says he ran into a cave. They call it the cave of Adullam. He got in there, and then he wrote a brand-new praise and worship song. It's in Psalm 34. I'm only going to just read the first line to you. He said, I will bless the Lord. He's probably laughing when he wrote this because it worked. But he said anyway, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's kind of like praying without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Does anybody get where I'm going so far today? You know, you know, a long time ago, what was the guy's name? Jack, whatever. Now, if you were, oh man, probably more than this, but if you were under 40 years of age, bear with the rest of us. The guy's name was Jack something. Somebody's going to call it out. But he, he wore a hat and a long, uh, like a, a trench coat, and he did the commercials for American Express a long time ago. He played in shows and all that. But the catchphrase was, American Express, don't leave home without it. All right. So when you bless the Lord at all times, it's way more important than American Express or anything, even your cell phone, man. You don't want to leave home without your praise. You want to bless the Lord at all times in his praise. What do you mean by that? I don't know all the songs. It don't have to be a song. It can be this right here. God, I thank you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made today. I know they cussed me out yesterday. They flattened my tires. Hope that didn't happen. And, 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 and they've kind of hoodooed me out of my job or cheated me out of money or they belittled my children or whatever the case might be. But God, I praise you because you are in control of everything and I'll not give way to the devil. I just bless you because you're God and we've already won. That's continual praise, by the way. All right? So, when David did this, he continued to bless the Lord throughout the whole chapter. And I, I, in, in closing, I said that one time, didn't I? 
this is kind of the next time I'm saying it. In closing, probably be one more in closing, but you close. Close in your word. A lot of situations in this room. All right, y'all ready? I'm ready. I got to move for a minute, okay? Can't stand still. All right, here we go. We are running a multi-camera situation here. Four, might even be five cameras. I don't know. We're one and two people right now, so they're doing a good job. That's why you gave all these people a hand earlier today. So I just kind of be, I got to be nice and give them a heads up. And I also got to remember what I was about to say when I left the pulpit. So here we go. A lot of people in this room, y'all listen to me. Online, you listen to me right now. There's a lot going down. There's a lot that's going to go down. I'm not going to go all negative and start painting this picture that's here, that's coming, doom and gloom. I'm not doing that today. I'm not doing it, but it is what it is. The Lord is coming back, and all, all that you all that you experience, whatever the face of it looks like, it's called birth pains. The, the earth is getting ready with all of the ramifications. The earth is preparing for the return of the Lord, for the catching away of the saints. And it just looks ugly and scary and crazy in a lot of situations. But. You're at church today, and you ought to thank God for that. And with all that happens that re relates to everybody in the room, listen. Even when you feel like, I've done the right thing, and it's still out of my control. I've made a stand. I wake up, Opie, and do all those things you talked about, but it still seems like I'm in that last prison. Well, you just need to crank the praise up louder. The volume's not loud enough. Amen? You need to do it. The devil is out here in the airwaves. He doesn't get into this meditating just stuff we do when we, when we don't like to. Hey, we had a bomb prayer service here last Sunday night. I mean, it was like off the, you know, finish it. It, it was really good. Probably one of the best, if not, I've ever been in in my life because it was different and it was great. And God was here and we were blessed. Amen again? Hey, yes, man. But, folks, let me tell you what you got to do. I talked about me whining a while ago and crying, and that's not to underestimate or minimize anybody's suffering. Not at all. We are to bear each other's burdens. But we've got to do what I know two men, and I've heard many stories like this. I know of two people last year, because, you know, when all the COVID started and all this kind of stuff and how it affected so many people. Listen, a lot of people, unfortunately, got shut down and shut out. A lot of people did. When the devil starts doing stuff to you, he's banking on you shutting down, giving up, uh, closing, taking a break, blaming God maybe. He, he's banking on a lot of different things when he throws the next batch of trouble your way or in your mind to your children, your family, work, whatever the, the case might be. He's banking that you're going to do like a lot of people had to do uh, as, as a result of COVID. He thinks this is going to shut you down. And so he will kind of bring it in an unusual fashion. He'll make it heavier and all this. 
But you know what? I learned a lesson uh, about my praise by thinking about at least two people last year. What we have to do, we've got to adapt to what we're going through with, okay? Maybe it was he caused you to overlook a, a, a withdrawal or a debit, and it, and I'm saying sometimes that's my fault, that's your fault, that's people's fault. But anyway, it was a short-sighted mistake, but it's just really unnerved you because you take pride in keeping your mess straight and you're embarrassed because you had to fix it and all that. Well, the next thing he goes for, he causes trouble in, in your home or he causes trouble at work and he starts messing with your stuff like your car. You're crazy, man. No, I'm not. You ain't got to believe that part of it. But I'm one of them freaky people that's laid my hands on a car that wouldn't start before in Montana away from everybody, and it started running. I'm also one of them freaky people I told you about that sent a hard drive off to professionals. And when it come back $400 later, laid my hands on it and the Holy Ghost praying with me and I got the stuff off of that drive I need. So when he starts messing with your stuff is what I'm saying. You ain't got to believe that, don't care. But it's already happened and I thank God it did. When he starts messing with your stuff, you can't just be doing the how great is our God and got, you know, if I start calling other artist names or something like that that's not in the field you're going to focus on that but other areas of your life is not glorified or when you get around your friends or on your phone or something it all of a sudden is not glorifying god and it's not praising god you've got to fit in that's important you'll put the christian clothes back on later but this is not the place see no when your situation changes you get thrown in an inner prison and it's like like a mighty rushing wind type of deal that he comes in on you, you got to bring it, my friend. You got to adapt to the situation. What do you mean by that? Well, last year when all these people were closing, you know, Ray Heron's a part of this church. Ray about went under. I can say this. Ray, Ray suffered like everybody else. But Ray, I believe the Lord led him in this area, to be honest with you, adapted. He could have crashed and burned like everybody else. But Ray found out that there's just a demand for great, great, great meat, like a meat shop, like a butcher shop, which we do not have one here. The rest is history. God's helped him through that, with that. Also, my other brother in Christ, Colin MacArthur, got burned down. This is not COVID. What did he do with those lemons? He had this much of a building left, but you know what he's doing? He might get rid of a thousand plates today through a drive-through. You, he adapted. There's many stories online about people that did the same thing through the pandemic. And what you got to realize, you're really in a spiritual pandemic and you've got to adapt and you've got to change some things. You can't be gentle little Christian no more. You got to be a warrior that's walking around with a praise sword and you're going to slay any giant that gets in your way. You're going to cut his head off. You can up it if you want to, Satan, but I'm telling you now, I know those songs by heart. I've got the Bible app on my phone, and I will burn all of hell's ears up 
until you are miserable knowing my name if you don't leave me and mine alone. You can send him a message if you want to. You can. You can send him a message. And I'm going to tell you before, I pray. I pray. I want to tell you this. I've said that our children, our families are being assaulted, gunned for, attacked. The, hey, here we go. Probably get us knocked off. The government is really trying to take ownership of your children. Believe it or not, they are. They're going to do it through uh, public education, uh, enticing internet ads or manipulative apps or either, because uh, it's, it's worse than drugs. It's worse than drugs. I said it's worse than drugs. It is. Addictive apps. Because you've got to show up. God forbid that anybody with a phone goes to bed and you haven't been light. devil knows this he knows it so he's after our children this is why praise is so important when the children of Israel were not let go by Moses uh, with Moses Pharaoh would not let them go you know about the plague well all of the children we're going to be done away with. All, all the firstborn, we're, we're going to be done away with. And I know that's an old story. We're going to be done away with unless the blood was applied over the door. You couldn't, you couldn't say, well, I meant to get to it because if you had that mentality or I had, we were going to do it, but something came up, then... It didn't matter. You were making funeral arrangements. And we are there right now, folks. We got to do this. I had to do that. Blah, blah, blah. We hear it all the time about Wednesday night and all this. All the time we hear it about Sunday. I talk to preachers. It's, it's the same thing. But we know we've been warned, and it's hard for us to accept the fact God told us people would be lovers of self, men's ears. Would, uh, would tickle, they'd only want to hear certain things. Uh, people would grow cold. All those things everybody knows about, especially if you've been in church. We know all those things, but it's still hard for ministers to accept because we see it happening on great scales, and then we hear them God-forbidden uh, studies that come out, research. And, and so it's like all over again. Satan knows he's after our families, he's after our children. And so these people said, look, we're not playing around with this. And so they packed praise through believing what God said and spreading the blood across the door. The next morning, their family was intact. Everybody else's, didn't matter what you meant to do or ran out of time. You got the same result as the person that blatantly said, I'm not going to do it. So the point is, folks, everybody here, everybody online, listen to me right now. If you love your family, if you love your sanity, if you love just people around you, you had better learn before you walk out 
as far as the foyer, how valuable the praise is that God has given you. You better learn that, and through the blood, you, you, you better apply the blood of praise. And you say, Satan, you may have taught my son or my daughter or my spouse or my parents or my relative into doing this, but I'm going to pray. I don't care if they tell me they never want to see me again. I am going to apply the blood of praise, and Satan cannot cross the bloodline, folks. Some of you have heard that phrase before, growing up perhaps, but I'm telling you, if you praise the Lord, Mackie mimes a song all the time for 20 or 25 years, praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him, praise the Lord, for our God inhabits praise, praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise. I want to pack praise. How about you? How about closing your eyes, if you would, Father in heaven? This is your word. We are your people. These are your children that you've blessed us with. God, and we know that there is no weapon that is formed against us that can prosper or prevail. But, Lord, you put weaponry in place for us to utilize. And one of those is praise, Lord. You said if we don't praise you, the rocks will cry out. You're going to get it one way or another, Lord. God, I don't want rocks crying in my house, beside my house, on my house. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, for every person here to turn into a warrior. God, he is not greater than you and the weapons that you've blessed us with. Help us to realize that we need to praise you at all times. We need to praise you with laughter on our face, our hands in the air, but sometimes we have to praise you curled up in a knot when we're about to go crazy in the middle of a floor. But the bottom line is, God, teach us to be praise warriors, Lord, and we will live better lives. We'll live in more victory than we've ever done before. And God, help us to see that we need to start this today. And all that you do, we'll give you praise in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen.